For this episode, we watched Memento. Hello and welcome to Cluster Flicks. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Matt Miller, and with me as always is these two dicks, <laughs> being <laughs> uh, Rich and Rick, like, literally their dicks. Yes, the rich dicks. Yes. <laughs> uh, morning, boys. Morning. morning. Good to be back. It's. Uh, I'm glad. I prefer it better in the morning. I don't know about you guys because it's quite a bit earlier for you. I don't mind. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm used to it, getting up and immediately jumping on a on a video call or or in this case an audio call. It's it's fine. This is. Uh, I'm still really enjoying this. I don't maybe in like. If we keep it going for years and years, I'll be like, uh, let's just get it out of the way. But I mean, I'm really enjoying this so far. It's like, uh, so I don't know. It's I don't really mind doing it whenever. I'll fit it in whenever we can do it. All right. Why don't you guys get up earlier then? And we'll do it. So about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've found our second deal breaker of the day. <laughs> I'm just saying it's Sunday. <laughs> All right, so uh, on this uh, podcast, we 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 revisit movies from our past that uh, one of us picks because we liked it uh, when we saw it before, and we aren't sure if we're going to like it again. So that's sort of the premise. I would really like. I really need to write a more concise way of explaining <laughs> like, uh, our our whole premise here, but. I don't know. Yeah, they could get the point across. <laughs> well, I understand what's going um, on. Me too. This episode, we did. Uh, we watched Memento. Uh, Rich, you picked this. Why don't you tell us why? Um, Rich is good. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to uh, write down some final thoughts. Um, I don't. You know, this was back in the day for me when I was working at Hollywood Video. You know, in those. St- video store still existed and I watched a lot of movies and this one really stood out to me. (laughs) Yeah. I think I only saw it maybe twice and then I forgot most of it over the years. Um, But I remembered Um, really, really liking it. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly why we do this show is exact thing. So this is one of those movies that I had revisited a number of times, I would say throughout the years. But I hadn't seen it in probably, I would say, at least five years at this point. For me, it's it's probably an every three-year-ish movie for me. I'll watch it, even though I know, you know, all the twists and turns, or at least I think I do. Um, I still enjoy watching it every single time. Yeah, me too. Same. Uh, which, I mean, I guess we're kind of, you know, burying the lead on this one as far as I'm <laughs> Yeah. And so in conclusion... It's not going to be... <laughs> It's not going to be much of a twist ending to this show. No, <laughs> uh, no it's uh, uh, super enjoyable. And I will say it did take some of the enjoyment out to be writing copious amounts of notes to follow the plot and be able to summarize it for this show. But I know uh, for you, you you have to take a lot of notes because you're, you're kind of leading us in through scene by scene. Um, but I found for me on this one, this was the least amount of notes that I had taken in any movie um, and, since we've done this. And I understand that because I, I wanted nothing more than to just sit and enjoy the movie. But yep. <laughs> I, yep. I, it was, it's so, it's so, uh, 
the way that it's shot, it's so I, you know, in order to make this part cohesive, I had to pause it every scene and be like, okay, here's what's happening in this scene. And yeah, yeah, you almost so, had to deconstruct the timeline a bit. Yeah, it's very, uh, but still enjoyed it. So that that was a, I think it passed that test. All right, well, good movies, guys. What do you want to do next week? <laughs> oh well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, Memento. Uh, was this uh, Guy Pierce's like first showing up on the scene? It's the first thing I remember him in. I don't think it was you know, his when first. Was this, movie? this was 2000. Um, yeah. When was L.A. Confidential? Was that before or after this? It was before. But let me double check. I'm pretty sure it was. Because I, I know that I've I've pretty much liked Guy Pierce in just about everything that I've seen him in. But I, I, I feel like I haven't seen him in that many things. 97 was L.A. Confidential. Okay, so so LA Confidential was before that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this was his first for sure, um, but it was one oh, of his yeah. couple early movies, right? For for me, this was like, who is this guy? Like, and I think I had not seen LA Confidential until after, for whatever reason. Um, this this solidified Guy Pierce is like, oh, this guy is a good actor, and I can't wait to see what else he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so uh, we uh, the opening credits. Um, we're going to start there because that's where the movie starts. <laughs> where do you think this falls on on uh, Christopher Nolan in terms of his directorial um, career? Is this uh, early on, or or is this uh, you know is Let's he already out. established himself? Okay. Let's I, find uh, out. I felt I feel like this is early on, but. Um... So he did Following, Doodlebug, Larceny, and Tarantella. Before that, uh, basically, I've never heard of any of those. Never heard of any of those movies. Yeah, so I think Memento was what put him in the like spotlight. The public eye a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He just does screenplays after that. Okay. Well, okay, so the opening credits, uh, we see someone. Um, we basically just have a... Uh, a picture, a pol- a guy holding a Polaroid, or a hand holding a Polaroid. I guess we don't know that it's a guy at this point. Um, and it, it it starts off uh, fully developed, and he, he shakes it every once in a while, and we can see that it's actually, the picture's actually fading from view, which sort of uh, shows us that a lot of this movie is going, it's sort of a foreshadowing that the fact that this movie is uh, largely in reverse, uh, starting at the end and working to the beginning. Um, middle. I didn't even catch that. Good, good catch on that one. And then um, middle. It starts at the end and the beginning and works to the middle. Oh, I yeah. Okay, so the black and white scenes are the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But. But yeah, yeah. I know what smart. you're saying about yeah. this beginning part because it's in reverse, right? Right, and then and I see yeah. what you're saying, and I see what you're saying too. I guess that 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 is a good way of putting it. But to me, the flashback scenes are just I don't are or the black all the black and white scenes are you know just flashback kind of stuff or flash forward. I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christopher Nolan, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> um, so then uh, it ends when we see uh, Guy Pierce put the Polaroid back into the camera. And then we watch a sequence of a sequence of events in reverse, ending slash starting with him shooting uh, good old Joey Pants. Uh, I will always call him Joey Pants because I don't know how to say his last name ever. 
And I call him Joey Pants because you call him Joey Pants. Is it Pantoliano? Is that Pantoliano? Uh, let's see, Pantoliano. Yes. I mean, is that close? I'm, I'm sure. I don't know if that's the way he <laughs> pronounces it. No, but... he pronounces it Joey Pants. Yeah, Joey Pants. <laughs> Doesn't he like now have a line like a of, of pants of actual like? clothing if he doesn't he should i had heard that at some point that he uh, had like a a clothing line and he sold joey pants (laughs) um Mm, gotta give me some joey pants uh joey uh joe uh plays teddy slash uh john gamble i think gamble yep yeah okay um the next scene is we have uh Good old Joey Pants coming to the hotel to pick him up, or pick up uh, Guy Pierce, who is Leonard, or Lenny, as he calls him, and he hates it. He tries to trick him into driving a different car than his own. Um, wait, wait, i got to step back for one second, if you don't mind. So so the first thing that, that you know, I mean, he sticks his face to the door and says, Lenny! And um, Len- Leonard says, uh, you know, uh, don't call me that. I, you know, I told you that before. Like, how the hell does he know that he told him that before? He doesn't even oh. know who this guy is. Uh, it's all part of his, his like, at, when we get That's to just the, end, the end of the movie where he's talking about Condition? that part of the act is you pretend. And you that's why there was that, I mean, we're going way forward, but the he was talking about the spark of recognition that he saw in the eyes of somebody else that had the same condition. So maybe he, we should summarize what's going on for people who've never seen this movie. Well, that's what we're doing. No, I mean, like, in terms of why, why would he not remember? Like, I don't think we okay. mentioned specifically what his condition is in the movie. Right, okay. Um, I, I, I assume we'd get there, but that's... But well, we're talking about did. it now, yeah. so that's why I brought it up. Yes. Yeah, oh. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Guy Pierce uh, Leonard, he has um, short-term memory loss, and um, antograde or whatever they called it. And what did they call it? Antograde or something. Hold on. Oh yeah, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, he was. We we find out through the course of the movie that. Uh, he and his wife were attacked in their home, and in the course of that attack, um, he sustained a head injury. And ever since that injury, he's been unable to produce new memories. Um, and he has to rely on um, notes of different kinds. You know, that makes me feel pretty good about my head injury, because all I lost was my sense of smell and taste with my head injury, I, but I can, I can remember, well, I can't remember much about that night, but, but at least I can make new memories. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anything else you want to add there, Rich, or is that? No, no, no. Yeah. I just thought, I was just thinking as we were talking, I'm like, if I had never seen this movie, I might wonder why they were talking about why he can't, why he shouldn't remember things. For sure. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm going to keep this on track. Okay, so they're driving then, and Leonard finds out that his window's broken, um, says that he wants to go to some building. When Teddy asks why, Leonard says he doesn't remember, because uh, that's his shtick. They go to the building. It's like a, some sort of little like abandoned warehouse in an industrial zone. You get the idea. Um, there's already a truck parked there. Um, Teddy says it's he thinks it's been there for years. Leonard says the tracks are only a couple of days old and he finds bullets on the car seat. Which he immediately picks up. Like, 
whether you can remember or whether you can't, don't put your paws all over bullets that just happen to be laying there, right? right. Just don't do it. Maybe not. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> good rule of thumb. I'll, I'll jot that down. Maybe he forgot about that, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> yeah. Next time you guys find yourself in this situation, leave the bullets alone, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I better I better make a note and tattoo it to myself because I cannot produce new memory. <laughs> well, do it backwards so you see it in the mirror. Okay. Leonard then finds a Polaroid of Teddy uh, in his pocket that says that he's the one and to kill him, which again we saw in the very first scene. Because so this isn't a spoiler. <laughs> the very first scene is <laughs> yeah. him shooting uh, uh, Teddy right in the head. Then we see our first black and white segment in which Leonard is talking to someone and he says that someone with his condition must have a system and he this is the first time he says the phrase remember Sammy Jenkins. Okay. Yes, remember <laughs> Sammy Jenkins. That he um, has tattooed on his hand. We yeah. also see too in this scene that he's got tattoos all over his body. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think right? the, I think we see a few of them. And then a couple oh. scenes later was when he takes off his shirt and we see that he's actually oh, okay. got him all over the damn place. See, this is how I felt this entire movie while I was watching it. Uh, this is where I'm going to start revealing my <laughs> dissenting opinion, by the way, is I felt uh, like I was two scenes ahead of the scene that I was in and I was yeah. just bored of the fact that we hadn't gotten there yet. Okay. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Leonard then speaks to the front desk guy at the hotel. Bert is his name, I think. That doesn't matter. I don't know why I said that, but his name was Bert. <laughs> um, and then we. this is when we finally get the story of his condition as he can, explains it to Bert, the front desk hotel guy. And it turns out he cannot make new memories. He has short-term memory loss, uh, which causes him to forget everything since his injury, as we went over then we get another black and white scene with him explaining his system and preparing to shave his thigh. Mm -hmm. He says writing notes permanently on his body is best for remembering like the most important things, which yeah, when I, when I explained this to uh, my, my lady, when I was talking to her about this and she was like, wait, why don't, why the paper exists? Right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but I mean, it's for the really important stuff. You know? <laughs> I feel like a little later on in the movie, and I know I'm jumping way ahead, um, but just because you, you said that, it seemed like there were facts that he wasn't entirely sure of that he was still willing to put on his body, even before, and, and we know this because there was one fact later on that just before he put it on his body, he changed it. He's, you know, he found something else new. So, so I'm not sure that, that, that he's quite, uh, you know, entirely married to the uh, integrity of that system. Yeah. He's definitely um, somewhat blinded by his, like, mission. You yeah. know what I mean? His, his mm -hmm. need for vengeance. Which, also, uh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go. No, you go. I was going to say, also, uh, I, I don't think that it the premise of tattooing stuff, because it's the best way to remember things without it being, like, uh, tarnished, would hold up anymore with all the technology that we have. Like, he... He could just write stuff on his phone, and it could be, like, fingerprint secured, and it's a lot easier sure. that way. Yeah, so. uh, unless 
his injury happened before the advent of or the, the popularity yeah, of cell yeah. phones. That's that's <laughs> like, true. What is what is this rectangle? Yes, I mean pocket? that is that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying if everything occurred like it seemed to have occur, occurred in the timeline of the movie during the time when the movie came out, if it came out like today, yeah, he would have access to technology that would make uh, yeah. everything so much easier for him. <laughs> Like, uh, God damn it, what's my password again? <laughs> He'd have to tattoo that on his body. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, yeah. I'm always forgiving my passwords, like every five minutes for some reason. This is so weird. Let me, quick, let me change it to one I'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, can't use, you can't use the same password as before. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the then a door will slam and he'll look at it and he'll go what was i doing oh yeah oh i don't remember my password confirm your password what oh god damn it oh no i feel like a couple times in this movie he could have got stuck into like a, a time loop almost of his own memory yeah like it like doing this same circular thing like oh i was doing this slam Oh, I was doing this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bird. Oh, I was doing Tom this. in 50 first days, right? I have not have parked outside the door factory for this. <laughs> yeah. I... Talk about your all-time backfires. <laughs> okay, so um, we get another. Oh, no, wait, that's we just said that. Um, next door slam. My... Wait, next... We just said that. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> We see Leonard in a diner bathroom. He leaves the diner, goes into the hotel, and then we get to see the extent of his tattoos uh, as he disrobes and starts checking out all of the his reminder notes that he has tattooed on his body. Which he has to do and he, every he looks 10 surprised, too, that there's tattoos. It's like, holy shit, where did these come from? Oh, yeah. you know, and then he starts reading. It's like, oh, okay, I'm piecing yeah. it together. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, like a a strong one third of his entire day is him rediscovering his tattoos and and going, what's this? At, least, at the <laughs> minimum, <laughs> he's got to read like half a novel tattooed on his body every ten minutes. Yeah, his entire like yeah the vast I would say the vast majority of his day is him like wondering what the hell is going on. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like my day. We see he's printed out, uh, or he has a printed out background check on Teddy, whose real name is John Gemmel. That matches the John G clue uh, that he has on his tattooed on his body. And he sees that the license plate for Teddy's car matches the one that he has tattooed on himself, also. uh, That is for the person who raped and murdered his wife. Uh, so this it takes a little bit of a dark turn here. Then we see another black and white scene, uh, which again is in normal times being like they're actually sequential from Oh you meant you missed something Matt. The, did what? you say oh. did you say that the, the envelope was from Natalie? Oh what that I had all oh, that information. That had, oh in it? I didn't I didn't I must not I must have missed that. Okay. So that that's what the background check came in i assume yeah it said her name on it natalie on it okay yeah black and Uh, white scene 
Sorry, I didn't mean to do. Uh, yeah, we have a, okay another black and white scene where Leonard is talking to someone on the phone, explaining his condition and his system. I guess again, the next scene is him meeting with Natalie at the diner. She's being being pretty uh, bitchy to him. I feel like that's why. her character the entire movie to, towards him, honestly. Sort of, except for when it's convenient it, for her not. Right, there's a couple times that she oh, needs to, to to turn him a certain way, and so she's yeah. she's a you know a nice, loving, he's I don't want to say girlfriend. He's the perfect but... person for her to hang out with, because, yeah, it seems like yeah. she's very much a... Uh, Manipulative bitch. She's very manipulative. And, uh, Sorry, I went crazy for a second. <laughs> I I feel like you described her perfectly, actually. Yeah. But, so she can treat him like total shit one like one for oh uh, one scene or whatever, and then just she knows once she gets the gist of his condition, she can, all she knows all she has to do is wait, and she can act however she wants again. So yeah, I feel like this whole movie made me constantly think do people with this condition always have to deal with other people treating them as the like the worst that they would ever treat a person knowing that that, that they won't remember it right you know i would say the bad people probably uh and there I, are I, lots of them. i'm just I, I you know i would just imagine that other people would definitely take advantage of his condition to Hey, do you have that twenty bucks you owe me? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I made four hundred dollars on him today. <laughs> yeah, that they like yell at him or call them names when they're feeling bad to make themselves feel better, all knowing that he's just not going to remember, and they'll honestly, just be great I friends. I mean, I'm that. sure that someone that with that actual with that condition probably would get taken advantage of, but probably not to the extent that Guy Pierce does in this movie because that's true. The, yeah. Of the because of. The fact that he is searching for a murderer and rapist it just kind of puts him in the in a bad circle of people, you know. <laughs> what? And those, <laughs> so he, he's of course like getting himself into these situations where there's these people that are just maybe not the uh, the shining examples of pillars of the earth. Yeah, and and his singular focus on that objective too um, mm-hmm. makes it really hard for him to see um, what's when people are doing that to him. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, Natalie's uh, being pretty rude to him, but she does give him the background info on John G. She also says that even if he does get vengeance for his wife, he won't remember it. And she says that what they have in common is that they're both survivors. Uh, Then we have another black and white scene. Leonard's on the telephone still. He tells the caller about his old job as an insurance investigator and he says the key was to watch body language he was very good at his job and he says that sammy jenkins was his first real challenge this is this is where uh on my recent viewing um I don't know if it was a, a plot hole or a purposeful thing to try and like foreshadow like one of the ending twists but like he says he's really really good at reading body language and tell and telling when people are lying except in this movie yeah right when he's interacting with people like every time they lie to him they're the best actors that have ever existed and he just can't tell or you know, honestly, i don't know for, 
I'd say his bullshit detector is actually pretty solid for someone with his condition for most of the movie. Like he, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I I'm think just, he's just ultra paranoid of everybody. Yeah, yeah, he does. It, like I was going to say, he never ever seems to trust Teddy, which is somewhat appropriate. Teddy's definitely using him for his own purposes also. Yeah. He also yeah. has a note that says don't trust Teddy. So he's really just trusting that note. Yeah. I, I think he, I'd have to wait. trust Natalie a lot, you know? It's like yeah. she's she's his go-to for information. Right, Which is because he, weird. he never had a chance to write down how horrible she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. We'll get into later. Every time. Yeah. Every, yeah, each time. Yeah. We, uh, next is a diner scene with Teddy. Uh, Leonard explains the fallibility of all people's memories, not just his. A fair point, you know. Uh, there have been lots of studies saying that I, you know, like um, eyewitnesses to crimes and stuff are are horribly unreliable. Um, yeah, what it what it is for eyewitnesses um, that you need is you need a bunch of them because yeah. what you'll find are um, the details will change, but the general yeah. themes of the events will stay s- right. the same for you, eyewitnesses. You can't trust a single eyewitness. You have to have multiple eyewitnesses. Right, and, and then you then you weed out the commonalities between the, yeah, all those. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Leonard goes on to say that facts and not memories are the important things, which is uh, what, he, what he tattoos on himself are facts. Uh, <laughs> quote unquote, as we find out later. Okay, because those things uh, will be manipulated, right? <laughs> Back to the hotel. He has misplaced his room key. The front desk guy Bert lets him into his room and reveals that Leonard is actually being billed for two rooms because business is slow and Leonard won't remember anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really loved this interaction, and even yeah. though this guy's kind of a jerk. He's like um, the most honest person that we meet in the film. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's He's probably a why hug- I like huggable, him. lovable jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you sort of get where he's at, right? And and he's just being totally upfront about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, business is slow. My boss told me to charge you for another room. Yeah. So, you won't remember. And you won't remember anyway. And he's <laughs> Guy Pierce. Uh, what's his name? Leonard. Leonard's like. Yeah. Uh, is that all the rooms I'm too honest? Yeah. (laughs) He says, "Is that all I'm all I'm renting from you?" And he says, "So So far." far. (laughs) (laughs) And even like, yeah, even even Leonard seems to be like sort of amused by this whole thing. Like he's okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I I would have to imagine it's a little refreshing, even though he doesn't remember most of his interactions. Sure. So we have another black and white phone call scene explaining about Sammy. We learned that Sammy had the same short-term memory loss condition as Leonard. Leonard explains that Sammy couldn't follow the plot of simple television shows, but could perform fairly complex tasks, um, such as as uh, helping his wife take her insulin for her diabetes. As the long as he learned, he learned how to do it before. before and stayed focused on it. Yeah. He also says that he grew suspicious of Sammy because he saw a spark of recognition in his eyes every time that they met. So I don't know that I mentioned that he they met because he was uh, in, like I said, he was an, an insurance investigator, and he was dispatched, I guess, to uh, investigate Sammy's claims about his condition and uh, short-term memory loss. Which I, this this something that just kind of bugged me. It wasn't a huge 
detail, but like he was saying, he was talking earlier about how good he was at his job. And then he's like, he's like, my first real challenge was Sammy Jenkins. But then he's like, at some point he says that Sammy Jenkins was also the first real job he was put on. I don't know if you guys caught that. I'm like, uh-uh. how good you? Wait, what? <laughs> like, I was super good until they gave me an actual job. <laughs> until they gave me a case. <laughs> Maybe he just did uh, interviews. Maybe. Before that, but then yeah. Yeah, maybe he was like second on cases, and all he did was interview people. Yeah, I don't know. There's too much. There's too much guessing we have to do about about all that. There, there are. There, this is not a rock solid plot movie. There are some holes here or there, but uh, this one in particular, I think I can live with. That's fair. Me too. I just, you know, it was just a little bit of a. I was like, wait, what were you so good at before if you didn't? I don't think he was very good at his job. I'm going to be honest. I don't think he was. I think he says he's good, but all of the evidence that we're presented in this movie speaks the other, speaks the other way. And then, you know, I don't know. Maybe that makes you question everything he says because maybe it should. I would if I were in his presence. I would be questioning everything this guy thought and said, really. Mm Mm-hmm. So next scene, we have Leonard waking up in Natalie's bed. He's wearing pants, so it's likely that nothing too crazy happened. She tells him that she should be able to get the background information that he asked for today. Uh, he thanks her for helping him and says that he says that she's helping him because he helped her. She asks him if he will remember her, and the next time he sees her, he says no. She kisses him and says, I think he will. He begins to leave, and she says give me my shirt back. I wrote that down thinking that it would be important. It was not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was supposed to be foreshadowing. About the shirt thing? Mm -hmm. About what? Yeah, I need to know. The end slash middle of the movie. Okay, go ahead. You can just tell us because I don't remember. Okay, so... I was like, the shirt thing I thought was like another breadcrumb, but I didn't think it... It kind of is because it belonged to her boyfriend. Oh, I no, I assumed put, it thought, I thought he it put was on her one shirt. of her shirts. Because they were about the same size. That's what I thought. Movie. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And then I thought it was weird that it was a male shirt. But it was like a fit him. It was a different shirt than the one he showed up wearing. Yeah. So he She lived with her boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. So next we have another black and white uh scene. Uh, he says Sammy should learn through repetition and conditioning. Which where did he come up with this diagnosis? Like, why does he have to be, he's like, this is, he says it as though it's fact. And I guess he did a little bit of research into the condition and said, and that's where he's coming up with that. But that, it seems like conjecture, you know. I, I thought he referenced um, a, a doctor or, or a diagnosis by, you know, somebody other than himself. That, um, you know, that they said that his problem was psychological and not physical or vice versa, you know, yeah. and that, that was a doctor's um, theory that he should be able to learn um, by instinct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, like, sort of a muscle memory thing where if, if he repeated the same thing over and over again, he should learn to not do something or to do something if uh, if he, yeah, again, repeats it. Uh, then he talks about how they the doctors had tested Sammy by making him pick up three random objects off a table without knowing that some of them were electrified. The same ones every single time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Sammy, by the way, is played by I don't remember the actor's name. Stephen Tobolowski. Yeah, but I always remember him as uh, Ned Ryerson from <laughs> Yes. Needle Nose Ned. Needle Nose Ned. Ned the Head. <laughs> Ned Ryerson. <laughs> Being a dated your sister, yeah. Ned Ryerson. I don't. I don't know what you have going on today. But can you cancel all those plans? He's like, I gotta go. <laughs> I really like that actor. He shows a, one of those guys that just kind of shows up in things, and uh, pretty. He's good. He's a good actor. He yep. is. Yeah. I'll never remember that name. I already forgot it. I think I have memento disease. <laughs> and that's his official name: uh, memento disease. Yeah. How would Before you forget Tobolowski? Before my injury, I met him as Ned Ryerson. Yeah, right. So that's just what that's he's called. Just, that's what he is. Just think um, of it. Just think of it as the Toblerone chocolate. That's Stephen Toblerone. Sort of. Is that what his name? Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> Interesting. I never. I wouldn't have pegged him as a Steve. Maybe a Ned. Maybe a Ned. <laughs> Looks a lot like a Ned to me. Yeah, he does. Sold. He's a Ned. I can't even think of anything else he's been on now. He's got that Ned energy. So Leonard is uh, getting just getting to Natalie's house now. He has a Polaroid of someone named Dodd who has tape over his mouth and is very bloody. Natalie says, I guess I don't need to worry about him anymore. Natalie tells him that she lost someone named Jimmy... And that maybe she could help him find John G. I think this Jimmy also was a, his last name started with a G too. Was it yeah. like Grant or or Gantz. Gantz or something like that? Gantz, yeah, Gantz. yeah. Jimmy so, Gantz. So maybe maybe all along it was him. Maybe. maybe. Uh, although we learned it wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> Black and white phone call scene. Uh, he says that even after months. Sammy could not be conditioned. He kept grabbing the same electrified objects and having the same reactions, which, as we see, is to, for him to flip off the doctor and call him a quack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Leonard says that conditioning works for him and that his life is possible through forming habits. I don't know that we've seen any sort of uh, like evidence of that. No. He says a lot of things, and then everything he does is the opposite of what he says. Yeah. I will say on a meta level that he is like, he is doggedly pursuing this murder. So, which is not something that he did before his injury. So on that spoiler. level, maybe the, maybe the, uh, uh, what did you say? Spoiler. Yeah. I don't know how that's a spoiler. We already said that he was <laughs> looking for a murderer. That he didn't do it after his injury at the beginning. Never mind. No, just keep going. It's not, it's not something he did before his injury. Oh, is, before. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, so this is something that he has learned and conditioned himself to do. So, I guess on that level, that it worked, or he's just instinctually following his own, you know, path that he's laid out by tattooing things on himself and stuff. But it sure seems in a, in, a, in several scenes that he's like. He he gets into it quickly. He you know he he's back into the hunt and the chase almost immediately. Rather know? than having to read the fifty pages of his notes to figure out who he is and why he's doing right. what he's doing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe that maybe there is something to that whole the conditioning there with that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But no, I I, I agree. I mean, I agree with you one hundred percent there that that he should not know what his sole purpose in life 
is when he wakes up and he should have to discover that every single day. He shouldn't be able to just jump into, uh, I mean, because his injury happened before he knew his wife was dead. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so therefore she should not even be dead as far as he's concerned. Mm-hmm. And I get the fact that like on the occasions when he actually sees that particular tattoo saying that John G raped and murdered your wife, that would spark something I'm sure in anybody, especially, you know, like you're saying, waking up every, or every time he resets or whatever, he's back to thinking that he's happily married and you know whatever and and then he has to learn this new thing but he not every time does he see these tattoos a lot of times he's just out in the world you know clothed and doesn't see any of this stuff but he still mm-hmm. is following this path so solid point i was thinking of it like it's like it's an every morning reset but it's not it's an every time you know it could be every 10 minutes it's he like would he, have to re- re- figure yeah. out who he, what Any, he's doing. Anytime something takes his focus away from what he's doing, his memory resets. Yeah, that's his. That's his trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Is uh, it his doesn't seem to be a timed thing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Clean Slate, which is like the funny version of this. Mm-hmm, uh, I haven't. It's Dana Carvey. Uh, so obviously very yeah. new. And he's a uh, he he's a private investigator who also took got some sort of head injury where he uh, he re but he resets every time he falls asleep. Talk about and, a pretty bad career choice. <laughs> well, he was, I think he was. I think the private investigator came before. But it's a very similar sort of thing where he's uh, you know he's got a he's got a case he needs to solve, but he doesn't remember anything. But every time he falls asleep, he forgets yeah. everything, and. Uh, but it's a very funny version of this uh, sort of premise. Um, yeah. And But that, to me, has a more of a concrete thing. Like, okay, I can remember this as long as I can stay up. And mm-hmm. I, and But his, yeah, like you said, every time this guy sees, he's a, you know, sees squirrel. a squirrel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's like, I would, no, what was I doing? <laughs> my, if I had this What's condition, this my ADD would cause me to reset every, like, five seconds. I would be 10-second yeah. Tom, yeah. for sure. <laughs> middle of a chase scene, and he sees something, and he just, like, sits down cross-legged to play with leaves or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, so our next scene is Leonard waking up in an anonymous hotel room. He finds a gun in the drawer, and he finds a taped-up and bloody man in his closet. This is Dodd. Teddy shows up saying that Leonard called him to come and help him. They untie Dodd and leave the hotel. They drive a ways and then let Dodd go. Um, and Dodd never appears again, which is kind of odd to me. Well, he him. appears one more time in the in the the, the next previous part of this right. whatever um but yeah dodd might as well not even have been in this movie he seems to have like no actual like reason it's to be supposed there supposed to be the instigation for her helping him is that he took care of dodd for her yeah but but she like and to be fair sorta. like she does give him that background information but really she's just trying to i I think she's then manipulating him to go after Teddy, I think, is the whole point of that. So really, right. she just uses Why? him to get things in. Because That's the same he, question I had. Why Why did she want Teddy to get screwed over? I thought, uh, yeah. Because he's the dirty cop who sold, who uh, he 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know he how she figured that out. To, I think he sold drugs to Jimmy, the boyfriend, and then mm. you know he was sort of he was sort of the uh, supplier for Jimmy. Yeah, is this is another one of those plot threads where I feel like because it's a whole it's a plot hole that I don't that really confuses me, and I had to just like totally ignore that it existed to finish this movie. Her involvement in like the her involvement in the second part of the story, which is the colored scenes, right? I don't get it. Yeah. Like she should have a completely different motivation than she does have. She seems to have knowledge of things that she never like we never like in the story it never sets up a reason or way in which she learns those things. So it's just like Events at the beginning, the middle, which is the end of the movie, and then all of a sudden Natalie knows all this stuff and she's like a master uh, manipulator, but only to push the plot forward, not for her own motivation, right? It's weird. And I, and I think she does have motivations. I think she's just trying to make him into an errand boy for the inconveniences Why? of her life. Why? I don't get it. Because it's he's easy. He's an easy mark. All she she knows that she can put on some waterworks and say that you know that I mean that's true. Beat her up, and then he and he can go. He'll go and take care of it for her. I mean that's that is true. Um, I, gosh, I mean maybe she is that much of a um, psychopath. Manipulative bitch, as someone. I mean, she would. She would. Yeah, she would literally have to be a complete psychopath. So if that's her character, fine. I mean, I think she is. You think so? Yeah, I think she is. Yeah, I mean, one of her earliest scenes are her just spitting in this drink in front of Leonard. Earliest, later scenes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) I mean, like, that's the the first thing we see from her. Yep. That's true. But... He does okay. I mean, we are jumping ahead, but who cares? He he does he does show up in her boyfriend's car wearing the clothes that she last saw him in. Which, by the way, she never questions. No, she, she just walked away. Uh, but she, I mean, this is the life that she lives. She her her boyfriend is this major drug dealer, and I mean, you have to assume that someone who's in a relationship like that is just always operating under the assumption that that might be the last time they see somebody that you know that they're their loved one or whatever because they live a dangerous life i don't know maybe maybe i feel like you're generous i I don't know yeah i feel like she definitely we we have to sort of assign her straight up psychopathy or whatever in this instance because she so quickly goes uh jimmy and sees leonard there and he's like, no, I'm Lenny. And she goes, oh, okay, sorry. And then walks off. Like, no reaction. No, like, well, why are you driving Jimmy's car? Spoiler alert, right? Like, no invest. No, she doesn't want to figure out what's going on. She just walks away. Oh, oh. And then all of a sudden she's in command and in charge when he walks into the uh, bar. I mean, I don't, I don't get her as a character in terms of uh, – like her actual motivation. Sometimes she seems to be motivated to do what she wants, her care, what her character would actually want to get done. And other times she seems to be motivated in only what will push the plot along. 
and that changes based on the writers need to push the plot along. That's how I feel her character is. And that's what she is there for, but I, I do think that the, she, she could be labeled psychopath pretty easily. So. Yeah, but th- there's a missing piece here that, that she should have a motivation for that she never she never pursues. That's all I'm saying. Okay. We have another black and white phone scene. It turns out that Leonard may have inadvertently sowed a seed of doubt in Sammy's wife's head that Sammy is actually faking his condition. Um, even though even Leonard doesn't think that Sammy's faking. He, in fact, he says it a lot. He's like, I never said he was faking. He's like, I just said that he could be conditioned and that he should be able to produce. Physically is what he says. If, yeah. yeah, he's like, if not produce new memories, then to, then he should be able to form habits and react automatically. Yeah, this is where this is where this part of the plot also gets muddied for me. Mm-hmm. I'll wait okay. till later to say why. Okay. I don't. Wanna, uh, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. No, of course not. It's, this this is a, a particularly uh, tough one to not spoil since mm-hmm. we are. I mean, we see the end at the beginning. Yeah. We see. I mean, we know. Yeah, the Ted, Teddy's dead. I mean, what else do we need to know? <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, okay, so what is the what? Are, they still managed to throw some twists and turns in, but uh, yeah. this is a hard one to talk about with because we're going from, like you said, both ends towards the middle. Yeah, and uh, this is a this is our first. Our first test, you know, just like Sammy Jenkins was uh, the first challenge for Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> Memento was our first real challenge, <laughs> as far as summarizing. Yeah. And I say that having done Big Trouble in Little China last time. So. <laughs> but you know, the thing about like Big Trouble in Little China, we all agreed about all the bad parts and just yeah. how, how, how many bad things there were here. It's, it's interesting. There's, there's a, you know, different opinions floating around about motives and, and, um, and uh, philosophies and things like that, which is uh, kind of cool. You know? Yeah. Okay. So the next scene, Leonard comes to sitting on a toilet, fully clothed, holding a bottle of wine, <laughs> which there's a couple things that actually make me chuckle in this. And he's like, this was one of them where he's like, he's like, like you can tell he's like reset he looks at this wine empty wine bottle in his hand he's like well i don't feel drunk <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah like how weird would that be to wake up after in that fugue state every time you know like that's that is how drunks you know live their lives but that you know they usually do something to yeah, bring that like, on. <laughs> i wonder what i did you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. and, and every time you wake up you're in a place that means absolutely nothing to you whether it's your place or not it yeah. means nothing so why am, why, like, why am i stuck in this bathroom stall in this who, truck stall I, 20 uh, miles yeah. away from where i started right who, who am i laying next to today yeah, yeah. exactly uh he, he jumps in the shower because why not right <laughs> has no idea what he's doing there he doesn't know where he's at what he's no. doing uh someone came in his bathroom for a reason and it turns out that it's Dodd. Leonard attacks him, and they scuffle for a bit before Leonard finally uh, clocks him with the wine bottle. I feel uh, like Dodd was blissfully unaware that there was somebody in his bathroom shower, taking yeah. a shower until he peeked his head in the door. I, I mean, I, it's it's a motel room. It's not like you know, it's a mansion. You yeah, know? You, you would. Yeah. I think as soon as you walk through the door, you would know that something is going on in your bathroom. I guess, but he also. I mean. I, do you expect someone to be just in your shower when you come back to your hotel? <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, but I think I would be a little on guard when I open the door, though. And, <laughs> and, you know, the like the first thing you door. hear is, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, was he still showering when he came in? I thought he had turned He it walked off. into the bathroom while he was taking it. Oh, you're right. I think he turned the shower off. Yeah. Yeah, and then he walked in the bathroom and was using it. Well, he but I thought Dodd was in the room when he turned the shower off. I thought I could, he, I I could thought be he wrong. Heard the front door or something closed, and so he shut off the water. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. But Regardless, it's not like you wouldn't know the second you walked in the door that your shower that the shower was on. Yeah, you know, uh, a, a, a bathroom that it has been recently in use, especially in a hotel room, has no ventilation. Absolutely, there would be, it would be humid. Maybe steamy, and we don't see that part of it, but I think you're right. I think Dodd is, I mean, somehow the worst investigator in this entire story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also the least, also the least uh, necessary plot device. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard ties him up with duct tape I did, and then puts him in the closet and then calls Teddy because he's got Teddy's picture with the phone number that says to call him or whatever. I don't know. I don't mm. remember why. Like that's the person he went. I think maybe that's the only telephone number he has. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we have a black and white phone scene. Leonard is preparing to tattoo himself. Um, he does it himself with a, with needles that he uh, heats up the ends and tapes to a pen. Breaks another pen. I don't know. He. So you All his tattoos that. were re- remarkably complete considering that you would think that at some point he would reset in the middle of some tattoo. Well, so, but, but As long as he can focus on his task, I think he's... He <laughs> Which apparently it. he can do while he's on the phone. I would, <laughs> guess, that, I would guess that the uh, tattooing yourself because of the pain involved would, would create Keep that you focus. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably a good... That, that's that's I, I i feel like most of what i'm doing is justifying like <laughs> some of the plot holes yeah why this could work matt no this one's bugging me matt <laughs> explain away this one let me, let me play leonard's advocate here <laughs> so next scene uh leonard's running through the trailer park uh of some sort and is trying to figure out what he's doing he sees another guy running and figures he's chasing that guy I, wish guy, I, I like that scene. What am a, I doing? Oh, I must be I'm chasing this chasing guy. That guy pulls out a gun and aims at him, and it's like, nope, he's chasing he's me. He's chasing me, <laughs> yeah. That's probably my favorite part of this entire movie. The, that's the thing is there's maybe four or five different times where this movie recaptured my attention. The, yeah. the moment before this where he goes, I don't feel drunk, which was fun. Yeah. This part where he's like, what am, what, what am I doing? Oh, I'm chasing this guy. Nope, he's chasing me. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another time. Leonard jumps into his car and speeds away. The guy comes around the corner and we see that it's Dodd. Leonard heads to the hotel that his note says Dodd is staying in. He accidentally goes to the wrong room and knocks out some innocent guy there. Yeah, he mistakes a six for a nine. That's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, not a great investigator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe like pretty good was, at his job, huh? I think the idea was that he looked at his note upside down or something. Dumb I would like think that. the words might be upside down <laughs> then too. <laughs> there are some contextual clues there that he could have followed. You would think, dude. I know you think yeah. you're a good investigator, but you are the shittiest investigator on the planet. That, that I think is the real moral of this story. <laughs> yep. He, we've never seen him investigate anything well, including Sammy's case where uh, he right. definitely misdiagnoses right. that guy. Yeah, spoiler, Sammy didn't even have a wife. 
Dunning Kruger uh, effect is in full uh, swing. He goes to the right room, decides he needs a weapon, grabs the empty wine bottle, sits on the toilet to wait, and then it ends with him saying, huh, "I don't feel drunk." <laughs> there's always there's always a little thing at the end of each scene that is the beginning of the scene that we saw the scene before. It's it's very cut and paste, but it's also it works. I mm-hmm. think it. I think it's pretty interesting and. I like. Here's what I do really like about how Christopher Nolan did this is, or whoever the screenwriter was. Each uh, side note before you say that, the the um the screenwriter, or actually Christopher Nolan was a screenwriter. It was based on a um, short story by somebody also named Nolan. I see that. Interesting. So I don't know if it's a brother or a, a some other relative. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know it. Who, who knew that he could pitch and write a movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I probably um, just screwed you over on your thought, right? Sorry. That. <laughs> no, that's okay. I got it. I got it back. It probably wasn't important. <laughs> like, what was I doing? What was I doing? I, I, don't, I don't feel, feel drunk. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I'm chasing that guy. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So what I do like is how uh, each time at the the color scenes where we're working backwards in the story, it goes from time when he's like reset to when he resets again, right? Every single time. So the scenes aren't even the same length of time. They could be longer or shorter. So I actually really like that. Depending on his attention span. Yeah, yeah, it's his attention span, if he gets distracted, like, in this instance, he sat on the toilet, then he had to wait for the guy. I don't know why he didn't immediately go, this is probably a bad idea, I'm going to forget, but maybe that's part of his condition, right? Um, So he sits on the toilet, he leans back a little bit, and instantly resets, because he just relaxed for a moment. Yep. Yeah. We have a black and white scene, Uh, he pulls out a card that has a new tattoo note on it, um, which says something about John G having access to drugs. So mm-hmm. that's that's a new fact that he has that he needs to tattoo on himself. Fact. Fact. <laughs> um next scene Leonard is driving and someone is honking and chasing him. Uh he pulls over to see what the guy wants. It's Dodd. Um Dodd pulls a gun, Leonard runs. And that sparks off the obviously the scene we just saw yeah um another black and white scene uh phone rings leonard picks it up and asks who this is that's that whole scene that's the whole black and white scene which i was like okay that's maybe not the most necessary one (laughs) i don't really feel like they ever really explained that all that great i i mean I, i think that they explained it later on with you know Maybe it could be this, but I never really felt fulfilled about why is Leonard even having this, you know, who's who's calling him and why? It's Teddy, I think. Mm-hmm. I, that's the, the sense I got at the end of the movie, but I don't, I, I didn't really feel, I didn't feel like I needed to tattoo it on my body because I wasn't certain that it was Teddy. You know what I mean? It's definitely Teddy, and I'll tell you why. Um so I can tattoo it on my body. Yeah, and I think this this is another <laughs> – you could do whatever you want. It's Teddy on the phone. <laughs> Here's a pen. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, and I, this is a part I actually liked about the movie because it was kind of a, a subtle like subtext about the whole beginning part of it, which is – and even Teddy sort of alludes to this too. It's It's like 
uh, a cycle where Teddy has to like re-engage Leonard every single time into some new thing. So like he even had, he has a tattoo specifically because it seems like he's discovered Len, um, Teddy. Teddy. Teddy's Hello? like goal. Sorry. My brain is just like, what's his name again? Did you just reset? Where am I? <laughs> yeah. Where am I? I don't, I don't feel, feel drunk. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think Rich it's... just had a stroke. We might have to cut this one short. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> um, all right, so so like Teddy has to like reengage him because eventually Lenny finds out what Teddy's motivations are. He goes he goes off and tries to like write himself some sort of note to be like, hey, you know, don't do this thing to get like resucked into whatever uh, Teddy is trying to get him to do. He forgets. Teddy does whatever he does to get him reengaged. And then this cycle continues on and on and on. And I, and, um, I think that's kind of what the whole beginning part, part of, it's not the entire uh, purpose of it, but part of the purpose is to establish that. Like Teddy is trying really hard to get Leonard reengaged in what Teddy wants him to do. You know, he's calling him on the phone a bunch. He, yeah, he slides stuff on notes under the door and all that kind of stuff. Which, yeah, so like it seems like every character that isn't Leonard is trying to use Leonard to achieve their own goals. Yeah, and, which seems um, to be working for pretty much everybody, except yeah. for Leonard. Until it well, doesn't. Did you say except for Leonard or? Yeah, yeah, yeah it doesn't work great for Leonard. No, although in a way he's meeting his own ends also. Which I guess. We'll get... Okay, so it's nighttime now. Leonard is driving through some old rundown industrial area. He stops to burn some items of significance. Uh, it's a hairbrush, a teddy bear, a book, and a clock that I saw. Um, he flashbacks to his wife uh, and him giving, this is pre-injury, he's giving her, obviously, he's giving her a hard time uh, for reading the same book over and over. Mm-hmm. And that's that whole scene, which I thought was a weird interaction. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not really sure what the point of that scene was, except. Uh... Was this also where he pinched her in that? No, I guess that's a different scene, right? Yeah, it, where yeah, he pinched they, her thigh. Yeah, it wasn't. Which was a little, little bit of foreshadowing. What's that? It wasn't that, that wasn't in this scene. Okay, this is just her reading, and he's giving her a hard time for reading that same book hundreds of times, or whatever he says. And she tells him not to be a prick. And that's basically the whole scene. Yeah, it's weird. He kind of is like, who cares if she wants to read it a bunch? Like, it's none of his business. <laughs> like, he's not reading it. Well, he does say that the whole point of a book is to learn new things or something. I don't know. I don't know if it's supposed to tie in with his, like, ironically with his new his condition in the future. You know, mm, where he's maybe. like, now he could read the same book over and over and like, like get the exact same enjoyment out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was lost on me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's again, that's, that was, what... that's a deep cut or you know, like take on that. Yeah. So yeah, you had to do a little bit of stretch Armstrong there to make that work. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Playing Leonard's advocate is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're an ally, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> We have another black and white phone scene. Leonard is explaining the drugs found in the car after the attack on him and his wife. I now I missed something. Did they find the drug dealer's car or the people or the attacker's car outside? Is that what they were talking about? I missed that. I'm lost. What happened again? 
so we're having a black and white scene. Leonard's on the phone talking yeah. to somebody, and he's explaining the drug angle. Why he thinks that there's drugs involved is that they searched the attacker's car and found drugs in the car. So Yeah, this he, is information that I think uh, Teddy fed him. Okay. All right. That makes a little bit more sense because I was like, why was there a car there? I just, that I didn't get. And he explains that the police aren't even looking for John G at this point. So, okay. So the end of that scene, I don't know if you guys caught it, is when he says that the police aren't even looking for John G. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing is Leonard waking up alone, reaching for his wife. He's surrounded by all the things that we saw him burning in the scene before. And he thinks his wife's in the bathroom, asks if everything's okay. He opens the door, sees uh, a blonde lady stranger in there doing cocaine, and then asks her to leave. Her face looked remarkably like his wife's, wife's face, I thought. Yeah. Huh. I didn't catch that. But... Yeah. It did. Wasn't, though, was it? I don't like, think I so, mean, but it was enough to for me to note, to, to, you know, ponder, is that really the same actress in, in a different, you know, in a wig? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what this says about his character that that's the thing he wants to like relive. That's the moment he wants to relive is when he finds his wife like well, being attacked. And again, here's my, my Leonard's advocate. <laughs> uh, the way I read that is that um, no matter what, every time he wakes up, he thinks his wife is alive. He reaches for her and she's gone. So I think yeah. what he's doing extending that moment until he you know before he re re realizes that she's you know been killed okay i i, I think i, I can buy that i, I can buy that trying to live in that moment for a little bit longer because that's because every day every time he wakes up he has to like immediately rem remember yeah, yeah. okay I, I can buy that the one the, the only thing that i that i don't know i took totally took me out of this was after he sees the blonde woman in the bathroom doing cocaine, he does nothing to figure out why she's there. He's totally reset at this point. So yeah. he doesn't do anything to figure out why she's there, who she is, where his wife is. It's, it's a bonkers thing for him to do. Yeah. And so it's like, but, but then he says, get, get out. Like he remembered yeah. everything. Like, this is right. weird to me. Like, again, I feel like this is some attempt to be clever with character development but we didn't care about following you know the logical progression of what would happen if you woke up thought you were in your house thought your wife was in the bathroom opened the door it was some other random woman doing coke on a toilet in a bathroom that now you realize isn't your bathroom i'd be like thank you lord <laughs> i'm just yeah <laughs> He should have any other reaction other than, oh, yeah, here's this prostitute doing coke in my bathroom. Like, like he shouldn't know why she's there, where he is. There should be some sort of other reaction other than, get out. Yeah. Leonard, Leonard's advocate, rebuttal? Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in a, I actually think that this, this is a, a sequence of events that had they cut it from the movie, I would not miss it. Yeah, this I whole agree. like that that scene, him burning the stuff. It's not really necessary to the overarching plot. Mm -mm. Um, just kind of shows us that he's m messed up, which we already know, you know. So, okay, so I'll play my own devil's advocate then. 
And that clocking in, this, I mean, I don't remember what this, this movie seemed long. Anybody have runtime on this? It's, Ooh, it's just under two hours. Okay. It felt long because it drags on in a couple areas, but. And again, I, you know, I also had to restart it several, or you not restart it, but you know, pause Yeah, it pause and, and pause and play. So let me play my own devil's advocate real quick and then, then we can move on. Um, sure. There's this series of events is Leonard's attempt to forget his wife and move on unsuccessfully. It's why he burns her stuff. He even mentions in that scene when he burns her stuff, I must have burned truckloads of her stuff. Right? Which is an interesting thing, because obviously at some point he's like, I want to feel this, I want to feel this, these emotions, and I want to, I want to extend this, but then like, he he must have that sort of uh, masturbatory regret afterward because he immediately goes out and burns all that shit. Yeah, I, and I also think um, I also think this is that time if you're ever like crafting a story, this is that time when if you have to go, okay, now what will logically happen next? And this derails my entire plot. Don't just be like, oh well, we'll forget all logic and just end it here. Maybe just rethink the entire thread that you just started, which uh, is what I think we're seeing here is they started some sort of thread of character development, didn't like where it was taking the plot and just cut it off and said, yeah, we're fine. When really they should have just taken it all out. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So black and white phone scene, Leonard is explaining to the mysterious caller that the police think that the attacker was looking to score uh, in order to buy more drugs. But he thinks that's wrong because there were drugs in their vehicle already. So they must have had a, the, the, the attacker's car there, is all I can think of. But that part's weird to me because, like, how. I don't know. I think this is. I think uh, this information he gets, they don't explicitly state it, but I think this information is information that Teddy has fed him as part of the new narrative in order to get him to do whatever Teddy is trying to get him to do. Okay. Uh, the caller apparently says something about John G. being a drug dealer, and Leonard writes that down. Right, so going operating under the assumption that he is talking to Teddy on that phone, then that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. That he's actually yeah. feeding him information to kind of skew him in one direction. It's kind of weird to me, Like, and I know I said this before, but... But the the caller is the guy who has given him some some things that he calls facts. So you know, access to drugs is a is a tidbit from this caller. Who the fuck is this caller? I mean, he doesn't even know. He doesn't know who he's talking to or or talking and about. Are, or why are, is this a fact? We're just we just think it's Teddy. I think. I mean, there is something at the end of this movie that I will bring up when we get there. No that spoilers. Makes me, that makes me question that. But we'll get really there. okay. Just a little. I do think it's Teddy on the phone, but there's a sort of a weird thing at the end. So, so next, Leonard is checking into the discount inn, and he takes a picture of it and makes his notes. He sets up his room with his stuff, uh, including his string chart that all uh, great investigators have to make. <laughs> the murder board? It, you, you know, he should have had another note somewhere or another picture with his his secondary room written on it. You know, if he had two rooms, uh, that yeah. thing should have been somewhere on his person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, at some point, right. they check. All along, it's 304. Yeah. Yeah, and this other room just appears out of, out of nowhere that Leonard has no idea about, which he should. Yeah, just because he's fairly meticulous in, in cataloging things that are important. Yep. 
So, yep. Mm-hmm. Next black and white scene. Uh, these scenes are starting at this point to go kind of a little bit quicker into each other. I think they were trying to really, you know, push the plot through at this point. I think, yeah, I think they were trying to increase the pace slowly yeah. up into the ending of the movie in which that final scene actually stretches out for a really long period of time. So they're like yeah. cutting scene, 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 faster, faster, faster as we head up to kind of build momentum and yeah. then have this longer period at the end of the movie um, where it's one long scene. So this black and white scene, um, there's a black and white flashback scene during this also. Leonard is meeting with Sammy's wife. She wants to know if he thinks Sammy's faking. Uh, She's been testing Sammy herself. And Leonard says he believes Sammy should be able to make new memories. And I just want to mention, she's very cruel to him in the way that she tests him. Are you talking about the final test or are you talking about... um, All the ones leading up to that, even... Like, like she hides food and doesn't feed him. She yeah, like think, thinking oh, that he could skip a few meals. Have you seen <laughs> Ned Ryerson? He's not a small guy. <laughs> Neil knows that. Ned. But yeah, I just like she's very cruel to him. I'm like they build this. I, I don't want to spoil it. I'll wait till the end to say that. I mean, I do sort of see where she's coming from, though, sure. uh, because if there's even the smallest chance that he could snap out of this thing. I can imagine that like being, you know, the, the spouse or loved one of someone that has that is gotta be excruciating. Yeah. She'll go through any, any, she'll go to any lengths, right? As we saw in 50 first dates, which also tackles this. Another documentary, (laughs) another good documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I defy you to name a a, move, a bad movie that has that as its <laughs> that memento disease as its. Oh, well, I am going to have to watch the Dana Car- Carvey version of this one. I have not oh, seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say it was called? Uh, Clean, Clean slate. slate. Okay. Okay. So then uh, Leonard is, gets into his car and is surprised by Teddy, who's already in there. Uh, we learn a little bit more about Natalie and her drug dealer boyfriend. Teddy tells Leonard that Leonard doesn't even know who he really is now. He has no concept of how much time has passed since his wife's death. Teddy just wants Leonard to leave town. Seems like he really does. Like, is he just done using him and wants him to get out of there? I, or no, he because he does say he actually followed. Like, they've done this in a number of towns. Huh? Mm-hmm. That's like, right, it's time to move on. It's a cycle, this, right? Run this town somewhere else. He gets yeah, into okay. a new town and gets him reengaged in some new new um, uh, storyline about yeah, the seat, who the person is. Involved with the seedy underbelly of whatever town they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then we have a black and white phone scene. Leonard uncovers a tattoo that he's been scratching at uh, for a while while on this call during different scenes. And the tattoo says, never answer the phone. <laughs> and then he asks, yeah. who's on the Wait, phone? I'm on and the phone. That <laughs> reminds him that he's on the phone. And he's like, who, who is this? And the caller hangs up. So that's, again, I think it's Teddy. I, I think it's pretty clear it's Teddy who's on the phone. Why would he hang yeah. up? Who is this? Hang up. Why? What's the I point of that? Know. Just tell I him. Know. It's Teddy. I, he panicked, man. Yeah, I don't I'm know. not remember anyways. <laughs> he needs to reset. Maybe. So I next, feel, Leonard is, Oh, so you go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just thought of this. So, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I okay. feel like there's a lot of these little moments 
that are supposed to build tension and increase the like um, mystery, but don't make any sense for the plot. The second yeah. room, which is never mentioned again, this thing where the where he says, "Who is this on the phone?" They hang up. Little things like that. I think the second room was actually just a little bit of comedy, which. I mean, they didn't. They didn't have a lot of comedic stuff in here, but the, no. they threw a few things in just to kind of keep you engaged. Yeah, which is cool. Like, I don't mind that. Um, but they never like they leave a lot of loose plot threads in doing that throughout this entire movie. Yeah, when they could just either tie it up real nice, real quick, right? Oh, it's the second room. Oh, okay. Ha ha ha. He makes a little note. They're gonna. They tried to do multiple rooms, and then they like he checks out of the other room it and seemed like more and, to right? that second room than they than they actually let like like you said that that whole thing just kind of died on the vine mm-hmm. while it, but like why would he leave stuff behind you know because he's like well this is my handwriting and stuff like that so like why did he leave some of his stuff in that room is right and what parts of the story is he missing because they're on notes in that room versus yeah. again, the room that he's actually in. Again, these are all things that affect the plot of the movie that they never address because they were just trying to create a funny moment. So there's a lot of that going on in this movie where they want to try and create some sort of moment, whether it be like mystery, comedy, whatever, action, whatever it is, where they're just like, yeah, he or yeah, haha, he gave him a second room. And then everyone else is like, wait a minute, but like, now that has uh, that creates a ton of different questions that you never answer. Um, yeah. So anyway, they're not huge things. These are not deal breakers for the plot at all. Just, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. They're just kind of dead ends that they threw out there. There's, yeah, there's several of them. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Okay, so the next scene is Leonard uh, frantically looking for a pen, and Natalie comes in all beat up and saying that Dodd is the one that, that beat her up. Uh, she says that Dodd's threatening to kill her if she doesn't give him drugs or money that he is owed. Leonard takes off to go find God, uh, Dodd. Taking off to go find God would be the start of a whole different movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything about that scene? No, sir. Uh, no. Not yet. Like okay. this whole sequence that we that yeah. we get piecemeal, I have a lot of comments on. But okay, well, I'll let me wait. get through yeah. Okay. So then we have a black and white scene. Uh, the hotel phone rings. Leonard picks it up and hangs it up immediately. And then he calls the front desk and asks for no calls at all. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Natalie entering the house saying that Dodd is looking for her because he thinks that she has drugs or money. She starts hiding all the pens. Natalie reveals that her boyfriend Jimmy went to meet someone named Teddy and never came back. Now she is on the hook to Dodd and she wants to leonard to kill him for her natalie starts talking shit to leonard about him and his wife uh she's obviously trying to get a rise out of him and make him so mad that he will lash out he does finally he hits her and she leaves the house and sits in her car waiting for him to reset all the way through this before you have your comments uh because still the the next scene is him getting to natalie's yeah yeah, that's the one yeah so that whole sequence from when he arrives to the end okay so then we have a black and white scene in between there uh bert the front desk hotel guy comes to leonard's room to let him know that there's a cop on the phone for him leonard says he needs to look someone in the eye when they talk because he's so good at that yeah (laughs) right because he's such a good 
read. I mean, he's probably better at it in person than on the phone. I will give him that. I mean, yeah, looking at somebody in the eyes when he talks to him. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. in person he's just shitty. On the phone he's a disaster, right? <laughs> <laughs> Leonard is just getting to Natalie's house. Uh she wants to know why if he has all this information the police aren't finding the killer. He flashbacks to the night of the attack. He had woken up alone and heard his wife making distressing sounds from the bathroom. He had grabbed the gun and uh, or his gun and burst into the bathroom, shooting one assailant in the head. But when he bent down to check on his wife, a second assailant grabbed him and uh, threw him headfirst into a mirror. And he hits the ground, bleeding horribly from his head and staring into his wife's eyes as she is wrapped up in plastic on the ground. So that's the culmination of that scene at Natalie's house. Hit us with your stuff, Rich. Yeah, so this is that this is one of those moments where she is a plot device and her motivations are suspect more than like she is an actual character in this story who has their own motivations. Like this is solely to push the plot along. Now I'll say that with the caveat that this that portion of the sequence when she comes back in lets leonard have it he punches her she leaves i really enjoy that for the sinister nature of it discovering just how just how much of a psychopath she really is that she could do that right um but her motivation is just still doesn't make any sense to me she mentions that her fiance is missing or is like never came back but we already know that she knows that Leonard was driving his car, her fiance's car. Leonard is wearing her fiance's suit, right? Do we know that already? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, why is she not following up on that? Where she's like, oh, he never came back. So, you know, whatever. She really doesn't seem to care at all about her fiance, which is the major plot thread she should be investigating. It didn't really have much of a wrinkle for me because I just – I don't know. Again, assume that she is aware that, you know, her boyfriend's line of work is dangerous and that he, like this is was bound to happen. Like he probably he was a drug dealer. He was bound to eventually not come home. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I understand that, what like, you're saying makes logical sense. And she's a psycho. So she's just going to roll with it and get what she wants out of the deal. You know, Yeah. hold on a second. I'm, I'm not Are we good. Yeah, we're recording again. I restarted it. Okay, welcome to Cluster Flicks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, Matt. Her, I mean, I, I that could think... all be true. I just feel like um, there's this looming thing that she doesn't care about at all. Yeah. Which is her fiancé disappeared. And it's not like she doesn't have clues about where he went. It's just she doesn't seem to be interested in following up in that yeah. or verifying where he's at and what he's doing. She's just like, whatever. Yeah. This yeah. is happening yeah. now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that I don't I don't buy it. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't buy the um, lack of motivation to investigate the disappearance of her fiancé. This I'm is to, to think back and, and why did she think that Teddy did it when – Lenny did it. Because Teddy set it up. Okay. Because Teddy is a dirty cop, so he has connections, and he's able to get his hands on drugs, and I think he... Did we just spoil the ending to this movie? Not yet. (laughs) I think we did. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's some things that just don't uh, connect for me with her involvement in the ending portion of this story past the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's uh, she's a cog in the machine mm-hmm. of this movie, and uh, she, I mean, she's she found herself in this situation, and she is intelligent enough and psychopathic enough to use it to get her own stuff taken care of. I guess and that's basically the entire motivation. If her if her own stuff actually is to get Teddy murdered, uh, I just don't see that being um, established. At yeah. any point that she knows knows who Teddy is, knows that she wants to get him murdered. She just knows the name Teddy, and she knows that Teddy is the one who is setting up this meet that she was supposed yeah. to meet with Jimmy, and yep. then and then Jimmy disappeared, and and he, she never saw him again. Uh huh. So, so so she does, and then Lenny shows up in in her in, with all of his stuff with yeah. all of his stuff, but none of those, she's like whatever, I don't care. Here, I'll spit in your beer. I mean, uh-huh. you, you probably didn't right. do it. Uh, maybe somebody like... you know did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She doesn't care. She just continues on like nothing is anything. And Well, so she, I mean. At what she... point? Here's where, here's where I'm lost. And maybe I just missed something. At what point does she go from, I'm going to manipulate Leonard into killing Dodd or whatever, to... Oh, here's all the information that you asked for, Leonard, on based on this license plate number you gave me. Like, I don't get that. Where did she where she have the resources to get that sort of information to him? Like, that's never established. Yeah. Why she, Why would she do that instead of searching on her own? Had a friend or something that worked. Uh, I don't remember where. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they have a dirty cop in on it with them to make it safer for them or whatever. Or so that they don't get. But again, nothing is established. Everything yeah. is just like a plot device when she's involved in it. Yeah. Right. That's that's yeah, my it, only complaint with her character. The whole movie, they just all, all it is is breadcrumbs and connect the dots sort of thing, and then they just sort of leave it up to you to do, which is has its merits, but yeah, it does not have any real solid answers for questions. Unfortunately. Yeah. Welcome. So they're sitting around a round table. Going, you know, how do how do we get from here to here? And uh, there's somebody at the end going, "Bring back Natalie." Yeah, yeah she, exactly. She'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Natalie. maybe Natalie knows somebody. Perfect. There Natalie knows somebody. Like run with it. Yep. How does he figure out? You know that uh, Teddy is blah blah blah. Uh, maybe Natalie gives him an envelope. Probably knows this. Yeah, Natalie definitely gives him an envelope with all that information. Why would she do that? Uh, because we need her to. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Sold. That's how uh, I feel like that conversation went in the writers' room. <laughs> the, two, the two Nolans sitting there throwing spitballing ideas back and forth. Yeah. Christopher Nolan and Nolan, Nolan Ryan. Ryan and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe and you know that Nolan Ryan can throw some spitballs. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Maybe we should give credit where credit is due. His name is Jonathan Nolan. Uh, oh. We will now, moving forward, though, continue to refer to Henceforth him as Nolan known Ryan. as Nolan Ryan. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay so next we have a black and white scene leonard is ignoring the phone someone slips a note under his door with a polaroid picture of leonard looking very happy about something um, yeah oh and pointing to his peck right his heart yeah his... <laughs> for some reason <laughs> yeah. well i think he mentioned uh, earlier he, he did that he saved that spot on his chest to tattoo when he actually finished the job oh okay gotcha yeah 
And I, I don't know what's earlier and what's later in this movie because everything is, is everywhere, you know. <laughs> and next we have Leonard sitting in the bar where Natalie works. She hands him a drink on the house. <laughs> she asks him what the last thing he remembers is. He says his wife dying. This is after he's taken a drink and the bar fly at the end of the bar chuckles about it for some reason. Mm, yeah, snickering guy is what I call she him. She takes the drink away saying that that cup was dusty. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn dusty cups. <laughs> then we have a black and white phone scene. Leonard is asking the person on the phone why they keep calling. He says that he knows the person on the phone is a cop. Uh, he says, why are you asking me anything i am unreliable <laughs> which is a moment of clarity that we have not seen out <laughs> that's this true yeah <laughs> so the one thing that the lenny was right about <laughs> next is leonard arriving at natalie's bar she's immediately rude to him apparently because of what he's wearing he explains to her that he does not know why he is there and about his condition saying that he just found a note on a coaster in his pocket she pours a beer and has the barfly at the end of the bar spit in it, along with Leonard and herself. Then she waits a minute and serves it to Leonard, who immediately takes a drink. <laughs> yeah. This is what convinces her, I think, you know. This is supposed to be the moment that she's like, oh, he's on the level. He probably has something to do with, with the disappearance and possibly death of my boyfriend. But also, he definitely has this memory thing or else he would not be drinking spit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I, I think you're very right in that, like, what a weird first interaction knowing that that he showed up in her boyfriend's car and her and his clothes, and mm. the only thing she can think of to do is, like, do this weird little spit-in-the-cup thing. Yeah. He got him back. They're even. <laughs> right. Turn <laughs> 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 around. <laughs> even Stevens. <laughs> So moving on from here, <laughs> here's yeah, what I'm going to need you to do. This is a weird first interaction because even if she's acting completely selfishly, right, as a psychopath would tend to want to do, she is ignoring the reality that if this if this random person she's never met before actually does have something to do with the disappearance slash death of her fiance, that by all like indicators, he should know who she is because yeah. she's his fiance. She's involved in what he does. Right, yeah. which we uh, again m more spoilers because at this point I've forgotten what like Rick said I've forgotten what comes before what anymore, <laughs> but she's involved in what he does. Dodd is the one like she knows who Dodd is. Yeah. Right. So it's just she's not worried for herself. She's just like I'm going to test whether or not this guy actually has memory problems. Which I, I forget. Does he tell her at the bar? Yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Okay, that's one of the first things he does because is when he shows up and she's rude to him. He's like, "Do you know me? Do we know each other?" And she's like, "What do you mean?" You know, and he's like, "Well, I have this condition," and he explains it. So that's right. Yeah, and then she's like, "Well, let's test this." Mm -hmm. And she pours that beer, and they all spit in it. Yeah, and then now it's like her motivations shift because she doesn't care about her fiance. There's just a lot of answerable I, questions about her character and her involvement yeah. in the plot that I they don't answer. The more we talk about it, the more it becomes clear. If she is, in fact, a psychopath, then all of a sudden everything she does makes way more sense because <laughs> mm -hmm. she has zero care about her boyfriend. She yeah. doesn't really care about anybody uh, except for her own ends and motivations and getting things done that are annoying to her. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I still am not 100%. I still think she's a plot device, even if that's the case. Yeah. More oh, than yeah. an actual but fleshed out character. Absolutely. They threw her in there. But like that's to me, that we we made the very easy explanation that they could have done in the movie for us. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. So Okay, so we have a black and white phone scene. Again, Leonard continues the story of Sammy and his wife. Apparently, after meeting with Leonard, Sammy's wife decided to give Sammy the ultimate test by continuously telling him that it was time for her insulin shot. And, of course, Sammy just kept giving her the shot until she went into a coma and died. (laughs) Leonard says now he knows that the recognition that he thought he saw in Sammy's eyes was just Sammy faking it. We also see in this scene, um, Sammy is sitting, I think, in some sort of uh, assisted living or something he's like there's it seems to be doctors and stuff wa- wandering around and everybody that wanders by he sort of looks up with with this like look of recognition that this is one of the best acted scenes with then there's no no talking at all you know with from from uh needle node nose ned they also do a little like a little fight club thing here did you guys right. catch that i did like, you know I, I i don't recall catching that early you know years ago when i when i watched the movie but yeah. at some point i i do remember it's like hey that's there yeah <laughs> so at, uh, the, at one point there's um like because people kept keep walking by in between the uh the, the camera and and sammy and at one point, a doctor walks by, and right as he's passing, Sammy turns into Leonard. And it's just a flash of him, like, all of a sudden, Leonard's sitting there instead of Sammy, which is a very Fight Club device sort of thing to you to do. To, oh, I see. Yeah. To sort of uh, show that they are, in fact, the same person, you know, in this, which is a spoiler. But... Right, yeah. which, which, you know, honestly brings up more questions for me than it does answers yeah you know what i mean like so if if they are one and the same person how the hell did he get out of there you know and and and, i have have that same question because obviously like so were they showing that they they are the same person or that they were similar people you know i i i think it can so later later teddy (laughs) actually mentions that sammy jenkins um Jenkins. Jenkins. Sorry. Yeah. Sammy Jenkins. Um, Here's the difference. Is, an, is a different is person. A real name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is a real person. He actually mentions him. He says, he says yeah. Sammy Jenkins was single or whatever, right? Yeah. Which doesn't make sense to me. Why would they allude to the fact that, they're, that Sammy and Leonard are two different people with similar conditions? But then in Leonard's – okay, I, I'm answering my own question, but I'm going to finish my thought. And okay. then, um, uh, and then have Leonard like somehow have this weird mashup in his memory about Sammy and him and switching over and all this stuff. So, okay, first of all, knowing what I know of uh, Christopher Nolan, I'm sure he did this on purpose because oh, memory is fuzzy, and so we're gonna make this whole part fuzzy because it's memory, and I'm super clever, and check out how clever I am, right? Uh, that's Christopher Nolan, right? Luckily, this movie isn't to the point where he started to enjoy the smell of his own farts like he did after Inception, but at least this one's interesting because he had a limited budget, right? Um, over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm giving away a little bit that I was going to say at the end, but um, <laughs> I get that that's probably what he's doing. I hate that kind of thing. I, I just want, let's just make it clear. So like, 
where's the delineation between Sammy and Leonard? We never know, right? It's a big question mark. We just don't know. Was Leonard even an insurance adjuster? Because if he's Sammy the whole time, who's the insurance adjuster? He can't be the insurance adjuster. Natalie. Yeah, Natalie's the insurance adjuster. Exactly. (laughs) That's the point. Like, he's not gone. (laughs) He's never gone. Anyway, Um, um, so I just – this whole, like, idea that Sammy Jenkins and Leonard are basically the same person gets really muddled when Christopher Nolan and Nolan Ryan decide they want to be super, like, smart about it. Right and keep it muddled about what's what. But, yeah, but I, I think that actually makes the movie worse than than it does better. Yeah, I see where you're coming from for sure. To me, like I don't know. I think this is an instance of the repetition and habit. Actually, he was able to change his memories. You know, I think, and we're we're getting sort of close to the end. So I'm going to go ahead and like say that one of the big reveals is that Leonard is. He's the the people in his life aren't the only ones who are using his conditioning to meet their own ends. He's doing the same thing with himself. That's true. He's, man, he's manipulating the timeline. He is changing information that he has access to uh, mm-hmm. to be uh, intentionally vague so that he can uh, fulfill the, these this investigation into his wife's murder and all this. You know, he did meet someone named Sammy Jankus when he was an investigator, when he was an insurance investigator. But that was guy, he an I, insurance investigator? Yeah, I, I don't I know. Do. I, think, I think so. And and that's how he Maybe. met Sammy. But Sammy was not the same person that like we don't we don't actually meet Sammy ever. You know, mm-hmm. these these flashback scenes are Leonard. You know, but he has projecting it on this. He's projected hand. onto this this other person in order to make it a cautionary tale for his own life, rather than uh, you know, than th- having to deal with the reality of it. You know. Okay. So I, I can I can buy that. That's probably the case. I, I just it's just that, a, it's just not very clear. No, and I, and you are absolutely correct that this is that is on purpose also, mm-hmm. you know. Christopher Nolan's allowing the people who watch his films to kind of fill in these blanks for themselves and sure. using us as uh, you know, anonymous writers for his his show or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So, next we see Leonard pulling quickly up to a tattoo shop and looking at a card that has a license plate number on it. <clears throat> as he's getting his new tattoo, Teddy walks in. Teddy's trying to convince Leonard to change clothes and get out of there. He also asks for the keys to the Jaguar that Leonard's been driving for the umpteenth time. Leonard goes in the back to change, checks his pictures, and sees that he has a note not to believe Teddy's lies. He also finds the burned remains of a Polaroid that shows what looks like the arm of a body on the ground, but he then escapes through the window. And that's the end of that scene. Some new things here. The the burned Polaroid, I think that's the only time we see that. Mm-hmm. Teddy, like, this... There's been a number of instances that Teddy has been trying to take that car, <laughs> and we don't know why mm-hmm. that's the right. case. Early on, one of the very first scenes is they, they're they leaving to go somewhere. I don't remember. And Teddy's like, oh, why don't we... 
Jaguar car or whatever, and he's like, and he's like trying to get in the Jaguar, and he's like, yeah, nice try, and he holds up the picture of it because that's proof that it's his car, right? <laughs> Might as well just be tattooed on his body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, definitely something with Teddy and that Jaguar. Okay, so we have another black and white phone scene. The officer on the phone is giving him information about a drug dealer named Jimmy Grants which is, uh, we now know is Natalie's boyfriend. The cop says he's in the lobby right now, and Leonard goes to meet him. When he gets to the lobby, who should be waiting there but Teddy? This is where it calls into question, this whole thing. Leonard uh, calls him Officer Gemmel, and Teddy looks a little shifty when he says, uh, yeah, sure, let's get out of here. And that's where I'm like, why did he react that way? Is right, just- so so that's puts me to where, you know, was... Teddy really the guy on the phone the entire time. That, he wouldn't have tipped him off to him. It doesn't make sense for it to be anyone else, right? Ever like uh, unless they just had this mysterious caller that ne- we never meet in the movie at all. Oh, I know. It was Natalie. It was. Natalie. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually think, I actually think that his name is basically John G. Yeah. And so he tries to – that's why he has him call him uh, Teddy, instead, Teddy of instead of John because he yeah. doesn't want Leonard to, like, connect the dots that his name is John G. as well. Ever. But then he gives up that information so easily later on, you yeah. know, where he's like – and he's like, hell, I'm a John G., you know. Yeah, like, but he does not- it in passing. Leonard's not going to remember it. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that in general – he doesn't want Leonard to actually have a some any sort of written account uh, that he can reference of him with the name John G. I think that's what he's trying to avoid. Yeah. <clears throat> so I thought maybe he just didn't want to be known as an officer, you know. Probably he, that too. He kind of looks over at Bert, who's sitting there, and he's like, "Yeah, we need to talk somewhere else or something." Yeah. So I don't know what I mean. That whole that that scene just kind of was like I'm like, wait, what? Was he pretending or something? I, I again, know. I don't understand his motivation either. Like, yeah. if he's a cop, how does he get all this free time to manipulate him? Yeah. Oh, he's he's on extended leave for however long, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't think he's actually. Anybody seen Gamel in a in a while? <laughs> I think maybe he was a cop at some point. Yeah. And then he's on this now. insurance fraud case. Right. Yeah, he's not one now. <clears throat> and he's using or, Leonard to either close cases he couldn't close or make money. In, um, yeah, or just be a dirty cop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like all of it is unclear as to what, um, you know, Teddy, John G's uh, motives are, too. Yeah. 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 And I feel like it's intentionally that way, and it's just a little too pretentious for my taste. So this is also the scene where uh, we see Leonard snap the Polaroid of Teddy that he's been using this whole time. Teddy gives him the location to go find the drug dealer. Uh, Leonard drives up to a familiar-looking warehouse in a familiar-looking truck. So at this point, With Leonard some familiar-looking bullets. And this is black and yep. white right now. Yep, this mm-hmm. is all flashback. Yeah. So and and Leonard's not wearing the clothes that we've seen him be wearing. He's wearing a vest and some I don't know, just regular kind of clothes. Mm-hmm. And he he drives the truck that we saw parked in front of that that warehouse area. So this is a whole different version of of Leonard than we've been experiencing the, for the entirety of the movie. He goes into the warehouse carrying a tire iron. Uh, and then a familiar-looking Jaguar pulls up, and a guy in familiar-looking suit gets out of the car. <laughs> um, 
Leonard uh, hits Jimmy. This is Jimmy Grants, obviously. He hits Jimmy with the tire iron and makes him take his clothes off so it doesn't, <laughs> so they don't get blood on them. After a quick scuffle, Leonard uh, chokes Jimmy to death and then takes his picture. And then he puts on Jimmy's clothes. He drags Jimmy into the basement. Uh, and then Teddy shows up and pretends he doesn't know Leonard, but Leonard has his picture in his pocket, so he knows Teddy's lying. And he hits Teddy in the head, and Teddy says that he's the one that helped him find Jimmy in the first place. Mm -hmm. Uh, lot to unpack there. <laughs> when does it turn color? Oh, it turns color. So here's, here's where I actually do like this, um, Here's where we get sort of a flashback to the beginning opening in, uh, sequence because he kills, he ch chokes uh, Jimmy to death, yeah. takes his picture, and now we get the forward yeah. scene of him with the Polaroid. I actually was watching for him to be doing that, and it didn't look like he was shaking the picture. I was like, I kind of wanted him to do that there. Yeah, they they didn't show the whole scene obviously because the yeah. because it was really long at the beginning, right? As the yeah. intro. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's the tie-in, and at that point, as the Polaroid uh, became came into view, uh, the scene colorized. I believe that's when that happened, right? So that's okay. when we go from black and white to color, and we've like merged these two, uh, like version of events together. Yeah. Okay, so Teddy then goes on to reveal that he had set up Jimmy to be killed by Leonard, so that they could make some money off the deal because Jimmy had brought $200,000 in cash for amphetamines that Teddy said that he would bring. Mm -hmm. So this is the drug deal that Jimmy obviously went to meet up with Teddy and never returned from. He also says that Leonard purposely leaves out details of his life that he would prefer not to remember, such as his wife surviving the assault which is a big reveal, kind of the big reveal. Da, da, da. They do they do uh, a fight club moment before yeah. this, though, where she's blinking in, under the... Yeah, they have a little... Yeah, where she's, she blinks once when she's... On. So, so it turns out his wife was not murdered uh, in the traditional sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> Being that she didn't die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, then, <laughs> right? She does die, then, yeah, and somebody else did it. And she does die by someone else's hand, but it's yeah. from Leonard's hand because she. It ends up that she was the diabetic wife mm -hmm. that was testing Leonard to see if he was faking, and uh, yeah, like Rick, uh, Rick had mentioned, there was a few different times when it showed him pinching her thigh. And she was like, ouch. But then, like, we see that actually in one of these flashbacks, instead of him pinching her, he's giving her a shot. And and that he had sort of manipulated. Again, he sort of had, through rote and repetition and habit, had manipulated his own memories about things. Uh, Teddy says it won't matter if Leonard gets the real guy. He will never remember. Leonard says when he gets the real guy, it will be different. But Teddy says that they already got the real guy, and it wasn't different. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was the picture of him smiling and pointing at his chest, was the fact that was, that was when they had when he had finished killing the actual killer of his wife, which, who the hell was that? Because he didn't kill him. It must have just been the guy that attacked him, <laughs> I guess. Because he didn't kill his wife. <laughs> but so, he probably did rape her. That probably did happen. 
but who knows? Maybe that was all a right. manipulation of the memory too. We don't. There's no evidence. And what's the there's timeline? More questions than answers. I just don't like. What's the timeline on this? There's there's definitely more questions than answers. Yeah. It's very typical Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. But there's at least there's at least a decent storyline in, involved in this movie. Sure. Yeah. Teddy says that he was uh, the cop that was assigned to Leonard's wife's case, um, and that they had already found the real guy and killed him. So after Teddy fills in all the potholes for us, plot holes. Which which you don't even know. I mean, <laughs> autocorrect on my phone. <laughs> I mean, what? We do live in I've Spokane, so <laughs> lots of potholes. Yeah, right. Um, and, and as many questions as there are, there's no way to believe that what Teddy is telling Lenny right now is the truth. It just could just be more stuff. It's, I mean, this this is more shades than gray than Fifty Shades of Gray. <laughs> no, that was that was clearly That's a about, lot of, yeah, a lot that of was gray. clearly about one person abusing another person and that person becoming uh, in love with the abuser. That's what that movie's about. Mm-hmm. And how it's it's okay if you're rich. Exactly. If you're rich and handsome, you can abuse <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah. It's called one thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. After Teddy fills in all the plot holes for us, uh, he tells Leonard that his real name is John Gamble, Gamble, whatever. And we mm-hmm. see Leonard making the quick decision to make this his next target. He writes down Teddy's license plate number, and then he takes a picture of the Jaguar so that he thinks it will be that it's his car. And he drives off to start to search for John G again. And then he screeches to a halt in front of the tattoo parlor and says, Now where was I? <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. And so that's where we see that he does willingly, in fact, obfuscate the actual details of what's going on so that he can continue this quest for ever. Well, now it's just revenge on... Uh, no, it, uh, it's all the same. He's it, it, like it's, At some point, Teddy says that they've done this uh, any number of times. They've been right. to multiple towns, multiple cities, and but, done this exact same thing. There's always a search for John G. Yeah, but I think he's been... Um slowly moving toward trying to get revenge on Teddy. Every single time this happens and Teddy, he realizes Teddy's manipulating him. Do you think it's going to end with Teddy though? I don't. No, I I don't think it'll end with Teddy. uh, I think he'll find a new John G to fill in that blank Yeah, and continue his quest. So he has something to live for. (laughs) (laughs) So final thoughts. I have so many. We will let Rich go last. Is that what we're doing on this? Yeah, me, yeah definitely have me go last. I, I have a feeling I'll be the dissenting opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I think talking this out and the fact I had like keep pausing and taking notes last night let, allowed me to reflect a bit more. It did kind of the the movie kind of fell a little flat for me. You know, I still like it. I like the idea of it, and I. I remember just how amazing it was when it came out and like, cause it was a whole new way of sort of storytelling in movies that I hadn't seen previous to that. But now this, this device has been used uh, to death and with those eyes, I'm like, yeah, this, I mean, it was clever. It, it's clever in its time, but there are so many dead leads and little riddles that don't really go anywhere and unanswered questions. I I like when when filmmakers allow me to fill in some some of the things myself, but I felt like I had to work overtime on this movie to fill in <laughs> things. 
So, I don't know. I I still like the movie, and uh, the guess, I guess our main question is, did it hold up? And yeah, I, I think it kind of did that too, you know? Like, it's not a movie that is would be crazy if it came out today. Like, it just would be sort of derivative, I guess, of itself. <laughs> but... um Boy, I'm kind of walking, like talking in circles around this one. I, I I don't hate that I watched it, but I probably won't watch it again anytime soon. So hmm. kind of where I'm at on it. All right. And my my opinion is similar to yours, and and I didn't catch, or I didn't have problems with a lot of the things until we started voicing them out loud together. So for me, as I said earlier, it was an every, you know, every three-ish type year movie for me, or every three, three-year-ish movie for me that I, that I would watch. And I will probably continue to do that. Um, however, I think I will be looking a lot closer at, um, you know, some of the things that, that we've discussed and see if I can feel those, flesh those out a little bit, a little bit better. Um, I do have to say that I've always liked this movie, um, you know. I'll I'll watch it occasionally, and I will continue to do so. So it holds up for me, but I also have now more questions than I ever did before. All right, that's fair. Okay, so I don't think this movie held up, but I don't think it's the movie's fault, if I could say it that way. There's two things for me that, that make it not hold up. The first is that, again, there's so many, because this was such an interesting way and such a successful movie in doing it. Anyway, an interesting way of telling a story and the success that the movie had doing it. There's a lot of other movies who've used this whole like premise of short-term memory and not the like telling a story from the beginning and the end and meeting in the middle. I don't, I can't think of any other movies that specifically do that, but the premise of this guy, you know, somebody who has short-term memory loss and, and how that affects the plot of the movie, I think is done over and over and over again. Also, the more movies that Christopher Nolan makes, the more annoyed I get at Christopher Nolan. And so, like, I just see all the things in this movie that remind me of all of the annoying things that Christopher Nolan does. Um, but at least this is a coherent plot, unlike almost any single of his other movies that have come out in the last, like, five to ten years. So uh, I just feel like he made this movie and he thought, I'm the guy who does cerebral movies. And then he just started like farting into wine glasses and sniffing it and uh, couldn't get over himself. So, <laughs> yeah, that's not a lot of love for the. <laughs> no, not so much. He seems re- really pretentious in his movie making to me to the point where it's like, I can make whatever movie I want. And if you don't like it, it's because you don't get it. Very Shyamalan, very Shyamalan like. Um, well, Shyamalan, I mean, I can, I can get on board with that one because his movies get progressively worse. Nolan's movies are fine, though. I mean, I loved Inception. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm also an Inception fan. Okay, so Inception is a uh, enjoyable movie to watch because it has a lot of visual, visually pleasing things going on. The plot is a mess, and. Then the what did he get, the most recent one he did I can't even remember the name of it that's how much I wanted to forget that it existed was awful yeah, I didn't see it I don't know it was so bad it was just like it was like he not he, like he need he wanted it before he made that movie he put his head all the way up his ass and then uh, wrote that script all right well here to hear so anyway. <laughs> Christopher Nolan disappears. You may want to check a rich's <laughs> No, it will be M. Night Shyamalan far before it'll be Christopher Nolan. At least Nothing his else. movies are visually interesting, right? Like it's like 
It's like watching a uh, um, Transformers movie. You don't go for the plot because that's real no. bad. You go no, for the really visually <laughs> the visual stuff, right? That's basically yeah. like the Megan Fox. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's why you go to the first movie. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Megan Fox. Like the more you look at her, the less attractive she becomes. So that hasn't happened to me yet. And no, I'm very I, I, for that. that happened <laughs> to me really quickly. Like uh, the first time, I was like, "Oh wow, she's hot." And then the second time, I'm like, "Meh." And the third time, I was like, "Ugh." And then the fourth time, I was like, she "Can you just like, get her off the screen?" She looks like like uh, an artist rendering of a sexy person. A sexy yes. Woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> trying really hard. <laughs> she made me some sort of sex robot. <laughs> Did you know that she has that thing though, where you have like toes for thumbs? No, she's got these big old hammer thumb things, which she really tries to hide. Mm. Uh, a she's lot. done a good job because I've never noticed them. Yeah, I never <laughs> noticed them either. They're, they're like so instead of like normal thumbs, they look like big toes. Yeah. Okay. Very- so enough of the Christopher Nolan hate. Oh, okay. Um, in terms of this movie, uh, again, I don't think it held up because it's really a product of its time. When I watched it, I was a teenager and like I didn't really have a chance to kind of flesh out what it was I liked or didn't like about movies and this was kind of a novel, right? When it for when it came out. So it was yeah. like a new thing and I really liked it and it wasn't other movies other than the Sixth Sense, but it wasn't this wasn't like the Sixth Sense were coming out and just trying to like challenge the movie making format and this was one of those movies and and i liked it for that and um meant this to someone today i don't think so there's too much there's too much that is that has come out it's it would be too derivative even though it's the thing that everyone it's the thing that everything else is derivative of but it would just feel too derivative and there's uh now that i'm a uh i'm older I know more about plot structure, and this is probably a detriment to my uh, to my consuming of uh, media. But because I know so much more about plot structures and what makes good plots and good character development, all that d- did was accentuate all of the problems with the movie for me. So, agree that this movie has its issues, but I think yeah. it is one that I would still I would still recommend to someone. Uh, absolutely. I, I again. I think maybe that, not everyone, but I would recommend this to someone. I could see me uh, saying, "Hey, you should check this out." Yeah. It. I think it's a great movie, uh, and I'll and I'll watch it again. Uh, I don't think I won't watch it again. I just think, um, does it stand up as like such a good movie as I thought it was? No. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, no, not at all. Like in like, I found myself after I watched it, I was like, okay, I felt sort of bored. Yeah. Maybe it's because I already knew it was going to happen. And so that's why I felt like scenes ahead and I was bored. Like, let's just get to the good part. Like, you know, because I already know about all this stuff. That's, that's where, especially, like I said, t- like taking notes on this, I was just like, is this movie over yet? This is so, like, long. It felt yeah. so long. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, Big Trouble in Little China, again, the, the last one we did, uh, I never got bored. Yeah. I that I think that might be impossible with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much going on really fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this one, um, although, again, I'll have to say, what, or well, not again because I didn't say this yet, but what I'll, what I'll sort of wrap this all up with is I feel like this is sort of a master class on why sometimes it's better to have less money to make a movie than more money because I think the more money that Christopher Nolan got, to make more movies, the worse those movies got. Whereas this one is, uh, I think, probably one of his better ones because he was forced to create an entertaining movie through storyline and yeah. not through visual effects. 
you know, yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, in a way, I agree. I like I like when a movie has big budget and they don't. If they have a big budget and they don't spend it on visual effects, you're probably going to see a great movie. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is like, I kind of miss old school ways of shooting. You know, like people use CG for everything now, and it. I understand it's probably the cheaper way of doing things, but it's also like, I don't know, it's less immersive to me. So I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> that was my, but that, I, I just, I, I, I sort of wish that people took low, like small budget ideas and put them in big budget movies. You know? Yes. I think it's sort of the reason why you see a lot of books being adapted into movies because authors have to tell good stories to sell books. Yeah. Um, but even those suffer by the uh, you know the adaptations tend to suffer uh, because it's really hard to translate a written medium into a visual medium in a way yeah. that is exactly the same or even like comparable um they did a really good job with game of thrones from like season three to season seven i think six season six yeah um, oh, and that's where uh it would have failed as a film uh, uh series but because yeah. it because it was a, a tv series uh, I think TV is the new the new movie, you know, like yeah. it's it, and it's probably the best way to adapt um, a book series. I cannot tell you how excited I am about the Wheel of the Time I series yeah. coming out. I'm a huge fan. So yeah, well, um, for instance, let me just say, like, uh, if you look at let's just look at the animated movie that just came out on Netflix for The Witcher. Um, mm-hmm. That has great character development, rich backstory, rich world building, all of that stuff because that's what the books have, right? And so what they did was they adapted that into a movie in a way that made uh, – but because they had all this uh, stuff to already work on, all this good storytelling to pull in, right? I, I do not know the timeline of The Witcher. I, I must, I've always assumed it was a video game first. It was it not? Was mm-hmm. it a book series before it was a video game? Ninety four yeah. is when the first book came out. Okay, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's probably pre Witcher video. Game. Yeah, the Witcher, the <laughs> first Witcher came out in the early two thousand. Okay, yeah, that to me has always been a video game series that they have adapted into other things. So it's good a, to know. It's a book series they adapted into the video game series, series yeah. and now into uh, several different series i guess you're saying there's an animated version now there's also? now an animated movie which is like a backstory of the first season it's like it happens before the first season interesting yeah okay. uh, but anyway they have a lot of rich storytelling of all this content from the book series all this world building mm-hmm. but when they don't have when hollywood doesn't have that they seem to make really bland eye candy movies right that's exactly what popped in my head was eye candy. Like mm-hmm. that's all they have. And then if you take away all that flash, then there's not a lot of substance. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why Marvel movies um, are successful is because there's uh, somebody in the background actually like creating rich characters and, and backstories and, and stories for them. And then they just translate that into, they just use these things as uh, panels to turn into movies. It's like the easiest thing to do for them rather than come up with something new and exciting and entertaining of them, uh, you know, on their own. And I think it's the reason why it's one of the reasons why I think Christopher Nolan tries so hard to make, um, innovative, like kinds of movies, something new. That's not a comic book remake or a book adaptation or anything. And, uh, 
I will give him all the credit in the world for trying to do that. I just think that um, he tries too hard and fails more often than he succeeds. I'd like to introduce a, a, a segment now, that, and I'm springing this up, I'm sorry, where we actually recommend something that we are enjoying uh, for people, you know? I don't know that we have to limit it to movies. I, uh, this is a movie podcast. It probably would be best if we could stick to movies, but... You know, if there's something that you're watching or reading or playing, I guess we, you know, we could throw out any of those things. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Sure, I, I've, I've got uh, something that I've been engrossed in for for a little bit now, and and that I would recommend to anybody who uh, wants to do it is um, it's a, a game uh, I played on the computer. It's uh, Civilization Six, um, and I know Matt, you're familiar with the. Earlier versions of Civ, but I don't know if you've gotten too much into into Civ Six. But uh, but uh, that's that, the one that we had played together for. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't that great on the Xbox. Yeah. Um, it was a little little unwieldy on the Xbox. It's much better on a computer. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just probably been playing it for about a year now, and um, yeah. I seem to spend a lot of my available time doing that. All right, Rich, did you have something, or you still want to think? I mean piggybacking kind of on what Rick said, like um, I, I do have something and it's one of those things where I just end up spending a lot of my free time on it. Not because I'm making a point to do that, but just, it kind of happens that way. Uh, it's Stardew Valley. Like I've been yeah, playing you, that. You told me that you were playing that a bit. Yeah. So. I've been playing that like crazy, but it's I've like been meaning to, to check that out. And, uh, but I have not, I have hundreds of hours into that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it's because like, there's no, there's no like clock you're running against. I mean, that like, kind of is, but you can like literally do nothing and it's okay. Nothing bad happens if you don't do anything. So there's like no, it's a, it's a, it's as relaxing as you need it to be or as uh, high pressure as you need it to be. And there's I, I don't know. I there's like definitely that. something to be said about a game like that. I know yeah. uh, for me, like Minecraft is one of those. I haven't been playing a lot of that lately, but that's one yep. of those games that is whatever you want it to be, you know? Yeah. If you want it to be an action adventure game, you can do that. You can put on your armor, grab your sword, and just go wandering. Yeah. Or you can decorate a house for three days straight. You know, like yeah. you can do whatever you want with that game. What uh, did you call it? I didn't catch the name. Stardew Valley. Stardew okay. Valley. In fact, literally, uh, what I spent like two in-game days doing was decorating my house. Just uh, recently, yesterday, I just did that. Dew was, dew was in like uh, like Mountain Dew. Yeah, Stardew. Yeah. Stardew. Yep. I let's see what else have I um I've been watching the last couple days I've been watching this show on Prime I think it is. It's a Jim Carrey TV show which I did not know existed and it's called Kidding and it's it's different. <laughs> it's an interesting he plays a very interesting character which you can imagine Jim Carrey. Um he is a kids show tv host uh it's like his character is that and sort of a mr rogers kind of character where uh like and that's what his sister and his dad are involved also in this show uh his sister's like one of the puppeteers because there's puppets in this kid show and in his in his uh personal life his family was involved in a car accident and he lost one of his twin sons and the other one survived, and it's a lot of him. So they're sort of separated uh, because of this this tragedy, 
and he's just this character that you're like, nobody can be this upbeat and good and nice all the time, but you also get the sense that there's like some real dark anger under his under the surface of this guy, and that you're just wonder like you just keep watching because you're thinking he's going to explode at some point, maybe on TV, <laughs> you know, like because he's this famous TV host or whatever. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I'm liking it so far. So that's what I'm watching right now, I guess. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. I have All a right, lot so, of things I could recommend. I just... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, just one thing every time we do this, you know, yeah, we can... Right. I mean, it doesn't have to be any pressure. One of those there. things is sitting right there on my bookshelf. Uh, Wheel of Time series? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, that is sitting here. I don't. I would never recommend that to anybody. But I can't read those from here. <laughs> it's the Stormlight Archive. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic obviously yeah okay so it is my turn to pick a movie yep um for next time around i was telling rick that i uh spent some time kind of plugging in movies that we've done already and into imdb and just kind of looking through the viewers who like this also like this sort of thing and and pulling out ones that i hadn't seen for years and i've got a hefty list like it's too long now <laughs> so <laughs> picking might be tough so your list is gonna outlive me right <laughs> it could very well <laughs> these are all so good guys I, there's not a bad answer to this one <laughs> you know what it's october i'm gonna do monster squad yes oh <laughs> i'm so glad you said that because uh i mean i literally haven't seen this since i was in single digits I, all I remember is Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> yep. I remember about this entire movie. I <laughs> sort of think that these are all kind of off-brand monsters. So you know, like I don't think that they're allowed to use like the actual names of things. Well, it's, like, it's like Count Chocula. Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah, it's not like it's not it's like not Dracula, Dracula yeah. or like yeah, generic vampire man or something. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, but like it is classic uh, monsters, so. Yeah. I've never seen oh, so nor heard of this movie, so it's going to be interesting. For I me. used to love this movie uh, when <laughs> I was also in single digits. Um, this is definitely one of those that I watched uh, a number of times when I was a child yes. and have not seen since. But no, I already I know literally... I'm going to hate it, aren't I? <laughs> oh, I, I may hate it, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's definitely something that it could be like, oh, no, what? <laughs> this is... Kelly I can't and I... Movies like Roadhouse and Monster Squad popped up. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, it didn't... And it, I went down rabbit hole. Like I said, it got it got, <laughs> it got weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess that is it. All right. Uh, all right. To all of you guys out there, thanks for joining us for another Cluster Flicks. Um, join us next time for Monster Squad. I have been Matt, uh, no nickname yet, Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Chains here. And I'm Rich Dallas. Nobody calls any of them those things. Nope. <laughs> In our heads. That's, that's yeah, that's there. right. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. Bye-bye. Well, unfortunately, we spent those five ten, to ten minutes yeah. to set aside for rich man's <laughs> Right? And we said a lot of funny things while those were going on. and. <laughs> While Rich was trying to get his camera working and nobody was recording nothing. I mean, yeah, if you guys need me to mansplain things to you, I'll continue. Oh, I know you will. <laughs>